Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. My name is Joel Knox, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you haven't already, you can check out our media archive on our website, vineyardbrenham.org, or go to our Facebook page at Vineyard Brenham for more media or information about our church. We're so glad you joined us, and here's this week's message. Now, I want to introduce our guest speaker this morning. She's really not a guest. Um, Pam Robles has been with us since, what, uh, November? She visited once before, like right after, I think either right before or right after our transition. Right after. And uh, for those of you who don't know Pam, and I don't know if, if, you, if you're going to say a little bit about it or not, but uh, Pam spent... 14, 15 years as, as a missionary in Peru. And she was, she was uh, before that, she was part of a vineyard church in, in Kentucky. Um, she goes way back to like the Jesus people era. And uh, I, I, I no, 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 gosh, I, I, I just, I, I, I didn't mean it to come out like that. Uh, but, but I, 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 Oh, so sorry. This is bad that it's going out on a live stream, too. This is why they say, you know, um, live is evil spelled backwards. Um, but I, I've, I've really gotten close to Pam, and I, I, I've been talking to her quite a bit. Um, uh, her, her background is in, in rhetoric. She was a, a, a professor, and I, I, I'm going to mess up, but she she's... She's got just such a varied background, and in, in, uh, um, so I, I, without any further ado, Pam, come and, and bail me out. The what? Oh, um, like close? Okay. Close. Next to me. I know I was gonna. I was going to, the other side? Yeah, because we can't see her. Yeah. This side? Yeah. Actually, I was going to strip some leaves off, too. Yeah. So, I, uh, I was telling, I was telling Joel and Danelle that I had, uh, so we're talking about being students, what do I do? Me. Oh, that's right, sorry. Messed it up. Can you see the plan? Okay. Okay, well, I'll do that when we get to it. That uh, we had a lot of people coming to the, the vineyard, this itty-bitty tiny vineyard, even smaller than this one, <laughs> uh, in Lima, who had come out of the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church has not really changed with the times so much in parts of South America as it has here uh, with the charismatic movement, Vatican II, all those things. Catholics don't, Catholic priests don't preach that Protestants are not Christians anymore here in the United States. They still do in parts of South America. And there's still that kind of really uh, uh, distorted picture of God that he's, 
uh, an angry father waiting with a belt waiting for you to mess up. That's kind of their image of, of God. So we taught a lot about uh, what's the true nature of our Father God and how do we find out what his true nature is. And Jesus said something really important in that respect. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we took that as kind of like a curriculum. Okay, so how are we going to help people get to know Father God? What, what is he like? We have to see Jesus first. I mean, really see him first. And so we did a lot of, of teaching, and I was telling him we taught a lot from, um, from John and, and from, I told him my favorite, John 15. And so he said, well, yeah, come on and teach what, uh, what you were teaching there. So I'm going to. <clears throat> so let's start. Hay que abrir sus Biblias al Evangelio de Juan, capítulo 13. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. All right. We'll do it in English. Let's look at John 13 to begin with. John 13, yeah? So if you got a Bible, you don't have a Bible, you need a Bible. We got a whole bunch right here. We got a whole bunch of Bibles in the front. It's really good to have one in your hands. It's really good to have one in your hands because I can walk, can't I? Because I've got this thing. Yeah. Okay. It's really good to have a Bible in your hands. Why? Because it helps you get oriented in the book to where the chapters are. And uh, <clears throat> phone's fine, and, but I don't think you really learn to handle the word of God maybe as well. Okay. Okay. So John 13, where are we? John 13. This is toward the end of, of Jesus' life on earth. And right now, we're in the place where he has gathered his disciples together to celebrate the Passover with them. This is the beginning of the Last Supper. Now John devotes... Chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 to all that Jesus said on this night. This night, before he was arrested, he had a lot to say. And you can, you know, you can imagine if you knew you were going to be killed in a certain number of hours, what would you want to say to your family? What would you want to say to your kids? You know, and what would the nature of what you have to say, what would it be? It would be the most important things that you want them to know. Because you're going away, and, and they're not going to see you anymore. So that's what these chapters are. 13, 14, 15, 16, and then 17 is a prayer that Jesus prays, not only for the disciples that were there at that moment, but also for us. It's so cool that we're included in that prayer. So that's five chapters that are just, just full of the, some of the richest 
teaching that Jesus, I think, ever gave. And in the middle of them is John 15. So 13 is when, chapter 13, Jesus um, takes out the water and washes his, washes his disciples' feet. And the first thing he says to them as he begins to teach is, if I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, this is chapter 13, verse 14, if I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And this is the kind of the introduction for his theme, his dominant theme all the way through. What he has to say at the Last Supper is love, love each other. It's the first thing he says, and it's the last thing he says. Love each other. Love me and love each other. So 14, he goes on to um, start talking about the Holy Spirit, whom he's going to send. How many weeks later? 40 days after his resurrection, right? He sent the Holy Spirit. And then 15, chapter 15 that I'm going to talk about. I... I have become convinced over some time that chapter 15 is Jesus' definition of Christianity. I really think this is his definition of what it is. We've all heard a million sort of summaries. What does it mean to be a Christian? Um, But I think this is where Jesus lays out what it meant to him. Um, And you guys have heard sections of this probably several times before, but we're going to get into it a little bit deeper. So chapter 15, uh, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Uh, I had a one of my favorite jobs I ever had. I've had a lot of them. I worked for about six months, six months for a vineyard in California, actually a winery. Uh, they grew some of their own grapes. They had a vineyard. And then they also bought grapes from all over Northern California. Um, I am going to hit you. I keep hitting Yeah, yeah. And, um, and where the vineyards were, where the vines were, these long, long rows of vines. You guys have seen photos if you haven't seen one live. Um, there were guys out there, speaking of PhDs, there were guys out there with PhDs in what they call viticulture, viticulture, viticulture. People who had actually gone through, you know, four, six, eight years of study to learn how to take care of grapevines. <laughs> and, and I would go out there. I would, we, we got there real early in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning we started, these guys with the PhDs would be on their knees down crawling through the, the bases of the, of the vines, checking for different ki- types of, of uh, bugs. And then they'd go up, and then they'd, they'd, they'd look at, you know, turnover leaves. What kind of bug is here? They, they just dedicated all their time to taking care of these vines. Of course, in their, in their case, that meant money because the grapes are in good shape, good wine, yeah. people are happy, they buy it. 
But they were vine dressers. They were out there every day taking care of the, of the vines. And that's who Jesus says his father is. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. I first read this, I think I was still 17. I had just come to the Lord. They told me I needed to read the Gospel of John. So obediently, I was reading the Gospel of John. And I remember reading this for the first time, sitting in my parents' uh, dining room. I, I read, I am the true vine. What does that mean? And my father's a vine dresser. What does that mean, vine dresser? Every branch in me that, is not, that does not bear fruit, what fruit? That was my question, what fruit? He takes away, uh-oh. And every branch that bears fruit, okay, that's good news, he prunes it, uh-oh. <laughs> that it may bear more fruit, oh, okay, all right. So my question was, what's this fruit that he's talking about? Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Well, I want to bear fruit because I don't want to be taken away. And it gets worse because later he talks about what they do with those branches. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now, I didn't know what does that have to do with anything clean. I thought we were talking about vines and fruit. So why is he saying clean? Abide in me and I in you. I'm going to come back to that. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And then that was my last big question, which I still think about and wonder about. Abide, what does that mean? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him he bears much fruit. One more time. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So I think sometimes you can read this thinking, this is something that I'm going to become. If I'm faithful to Jesus, uh, if I continue to follow him, I'm going to become a branch. No, you already are. This is what we are. We're branches. And the vine is what Jesus is, and we're part of him. He did a whole bunch of stuff when you came to the Lord that you're not aware of. 
right? Whole bunch of stuff. You didn't feel it. I was so happy. I felt this, this intense peace and relief and wonder. But I didn't know at that moment that somebody was writing my name in a book in heaven. But that's what the Bible says happened. My name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What else happened? You were taken out of the wild plant that you were part of, that I was part of. I was part of the hippie movement, so it was really wild. <laughs> and taken and grafted in to the vine who is Jesus. That happened to you. That happened to me. That's what he means when he says you are already clean. This has been done for you. You're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. This has been done for you. You've been grafted in. We've all been grafted in. Everybody here who has committed their lives to Jesus, wants to follow him, has been grafted in. Um, where does Paul talks about this? And I can't remember. I had it marked, but then my little thing went bluey, so now I don't know where it is. I think it's in Corinthians, but I'm not going to find it. But anyway, it says, you were a wild olive branch, and God grafted you in to the vine that is, that is Israel in, in his, in, where is it? Is it Hebrews? I don't. Anyway, so that's what we were. And you can remember the wildness and the craziness and the sinfulness a lot of times of your thoughts and your actions. But Jesus took you and grafted you in to the vine. Now, grafting. I have to take some of these things off so you can see the trunk. There, can you see that little trunk there? Can anybody see that trunk? Is it too far away? Is it too small? Yeah? Okay. So, we're going to pretend this is a vine. Pretend this is a grapevine. So, any kind of plant, grapes or whatever, there is life flowing into this plant, right? And that life that's flowing into this plant causes it to bud. If it was a fruit tree, it, it causes it to give fruit, right? So where does that life come from? Where does it come from? The life of this plant, where is it coming from right now? Roots. From the roots, right? And I don't know about this, but like I know I've read about trees that sometimes the root system is three times taller than the tree is. This is the picture that Jesus is drawing for us of what's going on. What's going on? What does it mean to be a Christian? It means that you were 
a wild branch. Didn't belong anywhere. Didn't know where you belonged. And then one day you cried out to him. And he took you and he grafted you in to himself like that. Could we see one of those slides? Is it? Oh, there it is. Yeah. So here's a picture of how grafts are made. You got to cut the rootstock or cut the, cut the trunk. And, and the, the branch that you're inserting has to be cut too so that you've got moist, live flesh of the, of the, of the branch meeting with the moist, live flesh of the, of the trunk. And uh, it's a pretty interesting metaphor. They've, they've both got to be cut and maybe bleeding a little bit. I know I was bleeding at the time, not, not literally when I came to Jesus, but in other ways. Um, and, and the next one? And then what people are doing is then they, they wrap it up and uh, bind it up, and, and then you just wait and see if the graft works, see if it takes. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. My mom loved roses, and she raised roses in our front yard. And one time she decided to try out grafting from, I think it was, I think it was a, a, a white rose plant to a pink one. And, I've, and if I remember correctly, she took... She took a, 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 a little branch off of the pink rose and grafted it onto the white rose. And she did just like we saw, you know, she cut it like, like um, on a diagonal, and then she put it in, and then she, she wrapped it up with, um, with just like people bandage, you know, like when you cut your arm or something. And my job, I was like seven or eight or something, my job was to go out every morning and water the bandage because the bandage has to stay moist. Um, I don't know why, but that was my job. So I went out every morning, and the so she grafted a branch from the pink rose into the white rose plant, and the pink rose plant um, was a little lighter, like the the skin of the of the plant um, was a lighter color than the than the bush that it was grafted into. And I remember I would go out, and, and I, would, I was really rooting for this branch. I really wanted it to live. And as a little kid, I just wanted it to live. So I watered it probably too much. I watered it, watered it, and I, and I would look and say, oh, yeah, it's still living, it's still living. And then I noticed that day by day, the color of the branch that was grafted in was starting to change. And it was starting to turn into the same color as the rose bush that it was grafted into. So it was, a, it was being transformed, basically, into part of that new, that new rose bush. That's what's happening to us. That's Jesus' plan. He grafted us into himself. Now, so this little guy was part of 
connected to a different route, <laughs> different route. I said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. He disconnected me from that old route, and he connected me to himself. Now, if this is Jesus, and that, this, is, this is the picture he's given us. This is how he wanted his disciples to understand who they were and what was happening to them. You know, and then they were going to go out and explain it to a lot of other people, too. So now, here we are, grafted in. We still have inside of us some of that sap, some of that whatever flowing in us from the old branch. But bit by bit, what's going to happen to us now? Jesus' life. Jesus' life. Okay, in a plant, in a physical plant, it's sap. But in Jesus the vine, it's his life, his type of life, eternal life. Flowing up through the trunk, as it always says that, but now it's flowing into me. It's flowing into you. And what's it doing to us? It's changing, it's transforming us. Paul, Paul says in various places that the goal of what we're doing is to be transformed into the image of God's Son. We're being raised by God the Father to be like Jesus, and this is the process that Jesus has chosen by which that happens. We stay connected to him. His life flows in us. It transforms this little branch and then what happens? If this is a grapevine, what, what is this branch going to start to do after a while? Yeah, yeah. It's going to bear fruit. So what does this branch have to do in order to bear fruit? Stay connected, right? I don't have to do anything else. Now, we get taught that we should be, we should be nice to people. And we should love people. And so, well, a lot of times we sort of, we sort of try to manufacture a feeling of love. Because I know I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to feel positive towards you. And, I, and, and, if, and if I get irritated you, I'm supposed to for, at you, I'm supposed to forgive you instantly, right? And so I'm trying to manufacture these feelings, but, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with trying. We definitely should try. But something else is going on that we really don't need to try. In fact, we can't make it happen by trying. We can't make that fruit grow in us by trying, except for by trying to abide in Jesus. All that little branch has to do is stay connected, receive the life that's flowing up from the trunk, and the fruit will pop out. We had a little pomegranate tree, pathetic 
looking at a little pomegranate tree in my backyard. I grew up in San Francisco. It was really too cold for it there. Uh, the first year, I thought it was going to die. The second year, I thought it was going to die. The third year we had it, it produced a pomegranate about the size of the end of my thumb. But my mom, who was also raising the roses in the front yard, pomegranate in the backyard, she didn't give up. And then she just kept fertilizing it, and she said, it's going to make it, it's going to make it. And by about like year four or five, sure enough, real pomegranates started showing up. Now, the thing was so skinny that it had one big pomegranate bent all the way over like this with the weight of the pomegranate. But it bore fruit. She just kept taking care of it. So the vine dresser, the guy's crawling around, checking the roots, which is the Holy Spirit, right? Keeps taking care of us. Keeps fertilizing us with what we need. Keeps feeding us the word of God. Keeps talking to us. We keep growing. And pretty soon this fruit pops out. What is the fruit? What is the fruit? That was my second big question about this when I read it when I was a kid. So Jesus goes on to say, oh, here's, here was the scary part. If anyone does not abide in me, verse 6, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. Now, this scared the living daylights out of me when I was a new Christian. I thought, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to abide in you, Lord, but I don't know what that means. He goes on to say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. Uh, one time somebody asked Dallard Willard, Dallas Willard, I'm, I'm asking the Lord for a lot of stuff, and it's not happening. And he said, well, you need to check your abider. <laughs> My what? <laughs> he says, you need to check and see if you're abiding in Jesus. If you're abiding in Jesus, and life is flowing through you constantly, then you're not going to ask crazy stuff like a Cadillac. <laughs> Unless that happens to be the Lord's will. By this is my, verse 8, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. But I'm still going, what fruit, what fruit, what fruit? Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. So first it's abide in me, and now in verse 9, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Oh, verse 9. Verse 9, I skipped it. This is probably the most incredible verse in the whole chapter, which is an incredible chapter to begin with. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. This is Jesus. 
just as my Father has loved me, with that same love, I have loved you. That's mind-boggling. How could he love us that much? So I started thinking, okay, love, love, then love. He's talking all about love, 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 love. That's one of the fruits. That's one of the fruits that's going to grow in our life if we stay connected to Jesus like a branch to a trunk. Could we have that slide back, the last one? If we stay connected like that, his life flowing up through the trunk into us, talking the life of Jesus, God is love, Jesus is love, his love is flowing up from who he is into us. His life, his love, same thing, right? So, the fruit primarily, and this is kind of another, this is kind of another, another teaching, but the fruit primarily is the fruit of the Spirit. Um, the life of Jesus, okay, the life of the plant, sap, right? What, what exactly is flowing in you and me from Jesus? What's flowing in us and producing the fruit that he, well, that he wants to see in us and the fruit that actually reflects his character? What's flowing in us like sap in a tree? Yeah. Holy Spirit. Right? Flowing in us, up into us, and transforming us. As long as we abide in Jesus, that life is continually flowing. What kind of fruit does the Holy Spirit produce? The list is in Galatians. You don't need to to turn there. I'm going to read it. Paul's talking about, okay, here's the fruit of the flesh. Here's the fruit that we were producing when we were in that, in that old wild olive tree. But the fruit of the Spirit, now that we've been grafted into Jesus, is this. Love, number one, love. And some people say, really, the list could end there. Because everything that follows is actually part of, of love. But the list is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many is there? There's nine, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, nine. Nine. So this plant is producing flowers. A vine is producing grapes. We are producing love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all things, all, the, all things that are part of who Jesus is. This is his character. This is his character being reproduced in us. We got grafted into him, his life through the Holy Spirit's flowing in us. We're being conformed to his image to bear this fruit. Now, often hear people talk about doing things as fruit, good works, right? Have I got time for this? Yeah, I think I do. What time do I need to stop? Okay. People talk about doing things as fruit, you know, evangelism. This is a, a fruit, a good fruit that we should be producing. Um, different works, praying for other people, praying for healing, things like that. That's, that's fruit. But there's a big but <laughs> here because... <clears throat> In, uh, in uh, Matthew 7, Jesus is talking about the little thing that he's saying about uh, the end times. He said, people are going to come to me and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do all these good things in your name? And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. You, you weren't one of my branches. You may have been truly prophesying. The things you prophesied might have come true. You might have prayed for people and they were healed. But you weren't doing that because I sent you to do it. You were doing that for some other motive. Who knows what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and Paul makes this really clear, this kind of divide between the fruit that's the character of Christ and the fruit that's doing things for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he makes this very clear. In 1 Corinthians 13. So 1 Corinthians 13, famous chapter all about agape, agape love, and the characteristics of agape love, right? And, And he starts out by saying, if I have the gift of prophecy but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I can heal people and I don't, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I know all mysteries and if I have all knowledge. If you were like Einstein on steroids, but you didn't have love, zip. I mean, in God's eyes. So, he's talking about all this stuff and then at the, at the, Oh, let me back up. Let me back up. Sorry. Let me back up to chapter 12. He's talking a lot about prophecy, gifts. This is kind of like the major gifts chapter, 1 Corinthians 12. There's a list of the gifts and what they do uh, and a list of the sort of like positions in the church, all about prophecy. But then the last verse of that chapter, chapter 12, says, I want you to earnestly desire 
the greater gifts, but I show you a still more excellent way. And the more excellent way than any of the things we do, prophesy, heal, even if, even if we're doing it according to the will of God, the more excellent way is love. And if we're not doing those things out of love, it's, it's well, I mean, it's good for the person that got healed, okay. But in terms of, of, of your relationship with the Lord, it's, it's meaningless. So love, which is the first fruit of the Spirit, is what is flowing and growing in us when we're connected to Jesus. And when we act out of that love and out of his word, which is also flowing in us, when we're abiding, when we're maintaining a relationship, this level of intimacy, can you get any more intimate with another being than being grafted into them? And, and that's where you are. That's where you live. There's, there's, there's no more intimate relationship. So I, I, I really do think that this is Jesus' definition of Christianity. So we want to follow him, abiding in him, just like that. Uh-huh. Is what that's what he's it's what he's asking us to do. We do that, the fruit will flow, we'll grow. No problem with growth, no problem with bearing fruit. But the question sometimes is, and the barrier sometimes is, do I really want in my heart of hearts? a relationship with somebody that's this intimate, that's this close. You know, because what secrets does the branch have from the, the vine? You know, what, what, what kind of independence? I know, I know, I mean, and, and, and you all know, those of you who know the Lord, I know that as soon as I quit spending time with him, sticking to him like that, I can feel myself drying out. If I don't pray for like a day or two, I can feel it. I can feel that dryness already. Because I haven't been maintaining that connection with him. I haven't been staying intimately connected to the one who is the source of my life? And what do I do? I drift back to the old, you know, the old life. And we've all, we all experience that, and we all know the symptoms. You can see it coming from a long ways off. Yeah. And maybe I'll be saying to myself, oh, I need, to, I need to spend some time with the Lord, and maybe I'll say that for days as I'm steadily getting worse. So that intimacy... We found in Peru, especially people who've had a lot of problems with relationships in their lives. They had problems with relationships as kids. Um, unfortunately, there's a system of disciplining kids in Peru that would put parents in 
in prison if they were here. And so they grow up being scared of their fathers. And, and it's, really, it, it's really a long work, it was for us, to help people overcome that fear. And the way, the way they did was by, by looking at Jesus, at his kindness, at his compassion. And be confident enough. I need to be confident that that vine is going to receive me as I am. To get wrapped up to him like that? No, I, I better be able to trust him. And that's, that's a barrier sometimes too. Can you trust Jesus well enough to have part of you cut off and be inserted into him and to live there all day, every day, or to learn how. It's a process. It's a process. You, you're learning how to abide. I'm 68. I was 17 when I came to the Lord, and I'm still learning. Do we trust him enough to enter into that level of intimacy and sustain it by abiding in him. So that's pretty much uh, what I wanted to share with you guys. Thank you for inviting me. And, and I wanted to thank you, too, as a congregation, because um, I was in Peru, like, like, uh, like Joel said, and I got a phone call from my sister. She said, uh, that she had just been diagnosed with um, ovarian cancer. And would I come back to the States to be with her? So 10 days later, boom, I was in the United States with two suitcases, no car. We spent all our money on the plane ticket. And I just felt so, I mean, my head was whirling, and I just felt so weird. Everybody was speaking a different language. And everybody looked so pale, like they had the flu or something. And I just. <laughs> and and you guys really um, really took me in, and and made me feel welcome and made me feel at home. And I just wanted to, because I seldom get to talk to everybody at once. But I just wanted to thank you, because um, it's been just a huge, huge blessing to me. So, we probably should pray about this, huh? If you haven't let Jesus graft you into himself yet or ever, uh, you might want to consider that this morning. But there's no rush. And consider it well. Because this is 100%. This is, this is everything you are. Um, if you've gotten a little dry, might be a good moment to talk to him about that and get his help on maintaining that connection, talking to him, talk to him, talk to him, talk to him, tell him everything. 
we had a saying in, in Peru, cuéntale todo, pídale todo. Tell him everything, ask him everything. We can't say he already knows. He wants that dialogue with us. He wants that dialogue with you. So tell him everything. And maybe we can start now. I want to invite the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're in a place where you feel disconnected. Because it's in that connection, that being grafted in, that place of, of contact with Him. And Scripture tells us when, when the Spirit is moving, don't harden your hearts like they did in, in, in that time of rebellion, but draw near to the Lord whenever he, draw near, he draws near to you. So if, if you're here this morning and, and you just maybe you would say that, I, I, I just feel disconnected. Or you've, maybe you've never been in a place where, you, where you've invited Jesus in. Maybe if, if you just lift your hand, I, I just want to pray for you. I know we're, we're sensitive to our space. And we're sensitive to our contact. But the good thing is, is, is the Lord's not limited by whether we have contact, physical contact with each other through the work of the Spirit. He can move without limitation. So if you'd like, Joel, I'd like to, to have you pray with me for, for just what, what Pam was talking about this morning. If you'd raise your hand, I'd, I'd like to pray with you.